opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Price Financial Group Wealth Management We do investing simplified Welcome into Investing Simplified. Thank you for making us a part of your day. I'm Bo Caldwell, CEO of Price Financial Group, back with you. And we had a little bit of a hiatus, Matt, where you and Matt uh, held the fort down. Yes, and, we did. But you you probably promised, you know, you know, ten percent returns and nope, and none of that. About, <laughs> and talked none about how we talked all about you and how uh, we did not have to have you on the show. Today right? Yeah, I'm, I've become I've become um, yeah. what's it? What's the term now? It's not useless, but you know, useless is you know is good. But uh, I have you know no, uh, not completely. I mean. We uh, we had a we had a couple of really good shows I think, um, but it's always good to have you back. Yeah, well, you know, every once in a while I got to take a a little step back, right? You know, I'd come back to it's been kind of nice, right? Looking at the markets over mm-hmm. the last you know week or two. Interestingly enough, we've kind of gotten back to a little bit more normalcy. As much as people are, you know, maybe thinking you might be getting a little bit oogie as the market continues to you right. know to touch these new highs, right? But it's been kind of nice to see it back to a little bit more. Steady. We had we've had fewer. Yeah. It feels like. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look at the exact data, but it feels less like we've had these huge swings. Mm-hmm. Had more, you know, up days, down some down days, days that right? Are within reason, within like yeah. 1% percent or something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, you know, no I had a, a breakers cl- going off, right? Well, I had a client that you know that mentioned one thing. You know that you think about it is with with the way that the markets are you know going, and if you're looking at you're growing money in the market traditionally, you know, it's sort of like, you know, he's a big mountain climber or he was right. And he said, you know, we used to climb, you know, mountains, we'd, you'd come to a big, you know, position of scree, which I guess scree, just for those of you that don't know, is like loose rock. So, you know, as you're climbing up the mountain, when you're in those big loose rock situations, you kind of take three steps forward only to take two steps backwards. Right. Interesting. But you're taking, you know, the goal is to get to the summit eventually. Right. And so that's kind of, how traditionally the stock market has been lately, it hasn't, right? Lately, it's just been straight up. And so people are, you know, kind of getting used to that and, you know, getting used to the market just kind of screaming upwards. But the deal is if you're investing for the long term, right? If you're not trading, you're investing for the long term, that sort of three steps forward, two steps back is a is a good way of looking at it, right? Yeah, as long as you end up having to, you know, you end up with more steps ahead, I yeah. think that that's a win, right? I mean, the market hit all-time highs, then it goes down a little bit, and then it goes back up. But how often do we talk about, oh, we're on an all-time high, we're on an all-time right. high. Right. Less volatility, hopefully moving forward a little bit. Um, but, you know, as and Matt and I were talking about that as the world opens up and, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. see more and more uh, people going out and spending money on different things that aren't, you know, just uh, toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Right. Uh, we'll continuously hopefully see the growth. Yeah, well, as people get, you know, vaccinated, yeah. as they get, you know, feel more comfortable being out, I, I, you know, folks would be good to know that I am currently, I just got my first 
dose of the vaccine and my arm hurts. You know, <laughs> it's sore, but I'm, you know, we're exci- I'm excited to freely move about the cabin again, to use another analogy, which, you know, we've <laughs> talked about is as we kind of get back to this opening up, there's a lot of pent up demand, which has been really good. And it has, you know, built itself into the market. One thing I, I did want to share and I, I asked the question and it was given permission to share about it, but is that, you know, the way that, you know, we have one client that she looks at it and she said the way that she gets through the stress of, you know, having investments in the market is she only looks, you know, when she hears that, you know, if she's got the radio on or, you know, had checked, you know, Mm -hmm. scrolled through CNBC, if the market's up, then she texts her account. If the market's down, she doesn't look. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's not the worst thing. That's not not the worst. I mean, as long as you're checking once in a while, but I mean, on a green day, you might be like, oh, cool. looks nice. It makes you feel good. You know, you you want to, you know, because there's a lot of emotion tied tied to investing. We talk about it sometimes, but I, I talk with, you know, people that call in or clients all the time about, you know, how much risk, should we take yeah. how much risk do you want to take versus how much risk can you emotionally handle? <laughs> right. Well, the key is, yeah, the key is, is we, you know, we talk about it so much and people are going to get really tired of us saying it, but it's benchmarking to your goals, to your plan, to right. your risk tolerance, not benchmarking to the Dow or to the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ, right? Because they move mm-hmm. separately. And I saw earlier this week that small caps, you know, Matt's favorite, and we can pick on him because he's not here, pick on him in absentia. Right. But small cap stocks, the Russell 2000 was down 5% off its highs. And it's, oh, God, that's so scary, right? It's down 5% off its highs. But that just means it, you know, it's down a little bit. Markets go up, markets come down, right? Yeah, it's it's got a, you know, they call a beta that doesn't follow, you know, the yeah. volatility of it is just higher, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. like you take a look at certain stocks, you know, they go up and down a lot more. You know, if you were to compare a very steady eddy stock to, you know, one that's more volatile, they're going to move in a different pattern, but they also have different objectives. Same with, you know, the small right. cap versus the overall index. Right. Or if you same with, you know, an investor who is 30, right. an investor who is 50, mm-hmm. an investor who's in their 60s or an investor who's in their 80s, right? Yep. All these different pieces, there's a place for everything in your portfolio as you start to look at it, right? And so as people are looking to balance out that volatility, the key is to be working with a plan, working with a long-term focus, right? And have those buckets because if you have your six months of emergency funds, which we've talked about, right? Mm -hmm. You have money set aside and you can hear there's other folks that are, you know, on that talk on, you know, these radio programs before and after us, you know, Dave Ramsey's a big one on the radio that talks about having that emergency fund. It's great. It's huge. That, that is so helpful as an investor to know that, Hey, I have my emergency fund if something happens, right? And then as you get closer to that retirement, as you get closer to, you can call it the retirement red zone. I've heard it talked to before to use a football analogy, right? But as you're five, 10 years out from retirement, you start to shift some of those investments to conservative, but you have to have some investments that are going to be there to combat inflation, right? Which I know is a big fear that a lot of people have right now with all the money that the government is spending, that inflation is going to get out of control, right? And so- you know, we can see numbers and, you know, we have inflation numbers that come out from the government. I've heard talk where people say the Fed is, you know, is hiding inflation numbers. Heard, you know, people talk about go move all your money to gold and silver because that's inflation proof. And it, it, in reality, you know, my, and this is just one man's opinion, right? This is my opinion. And this is how we look at balancing portfolios for clients in your investment world, in your investment scope, you need to have some safety. You need to have some stability, but you need to have some growth, right? That's how you combat inflation. And anybody who tells you that gold and silver is going to be the protection against the inflation or protection against, you know, the dollar or it's not as volatile as stocks is either misinformed or lying, right? Because Mm -hmm. gold and silver move 
just as volatile volatile as they're just as volatile. I don't know if they, they move just as volatility. They move <laughs> <laughs> as volatility. Anyway, they're just as volatile as stocks overall right. in the long term, right? And you kind of th- think about there's always the doom and gloom look of hey inflation's going to be out of control right and you think about people always reference the 70s right where inflation was really really high yeah um and y- usually it's kind of funny where you either get people that long for those days of the 70s and 80s with 13% interest you can earn on a you know on a CD or a, yeah. you know checking account that can earn you get a money mark that earned 8 or 9 but inflation was super high so they kind of balance each other out right yeah. and so when we're looking at combating inflation you know historically the best thing to beat inflation is to have some exposure to equities, right? Because those are what is going to keep up with inflation over time. And if you have buckets of money that are available for that shorter term, right? We've talked about all the time. If you need this money in the next six months, even a year, it depends on your particular appetite for risk. But if you need that money, it shouldn't be in the stock market. But it shouldn't be in the bond market either, man. Because, right, what happens when interest rates go up with bonds? They go down. Bonds lose value, right? Yeah. Everybody's seen that with the t- with the Treasury. So as interest rates go up, bonds go down. You need something to balance out. You know, you got to have a little bit of something. And if you have little bits here and there and all over the place, right, then you're going to be building that all weather portfolio that's going to be there for you no matter what, right? What's our key tagline, folks? Is we're not here to make you rich. And we're going to talk about you know people that get rich. There are people that get rich. People that get lucky. You know, those, uh, you know. Good for them. God save them, right? That's great for them that, hey, they got lucky and came either came into a windfall in, you know, in some way. So if you don't have a plan, if you've not gone over it or it's been a while since you reviewed your plan and you'd like to do that with a fiduciary firm like ours, give us a call 503-253-3000 or visit www.pricefg.com. You can set up an appointment with us at one of our locations here around town. One mem- a member of our team will give you a call with that no obligation complimentary consultation on your portfolio, because we, you know it doesn't hurt to take a look. But what you don't know can hurt you, right? That was Chuck's favorite line. Yes, what you don't know can hurt you. And, and you know I can't tell you how many times we've come across portfolios where someone comes in and we do a risk analysis, we talk with them through what's going to happen and what's look what you know what you can see in the markets ahead. And they say, well, I'm conservative. I, you know, I'm really, I've got a really conservative portfolio and they're really not right. We run it through your risk tolerance, you know, software. We look at, okay, if 2008 were to happen again, if the financial crisis, if 1987, if black Monday were to happen again, this is what your portfolio would do. Exactly. And, and that's when you get the, oh my goodness, I didn't know. You didn't realize because it's been going so well, you know, even with, even with 2020. Well, yeah. Cause, and I use the reference, uh, sometimes with, with, and I think you've heard me say it, that's like an airplane taking off. Mm-hmm. So if somebody put in an X amount of money into their account, you know, once the airplane takes off and you're through the turbulences and you're above your principal amount, you know, let's say you put 100000 yeah. Five years later, that 100000 may be turned into 150 Well, if it drops all of a sudden to 130 mentally, you started at 100 So you don't realize the volatility you get. And then, right. you know, as you gain altitude, you know, and uh, if you don't... Uh, trim your bushes on the portfolio <laughs> speaking, sure. right? Yeah. And, and it overgrows and you might have more exposure to certain areas that you didn't know about. So more then, risk that you didn't know about. Exactly. Yeah. So then if you plug it into a software and it'll tell us, you know, it's a surprise like, oh, well, it's done well. So I guess I knew that, except I didn't know what it could happen, you know, what could happen if, you know, a mm-hmm. big pullback happens. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I'd like that you yeah. used that, the airplane analogy. I had a client that we, 
you know, we just talked about this. He, you know, he flies planes. That's what he does, hmm. you know, as a profession. And we were talking about, we were talking through, you know, the differences between small caps and large caps and all these different, you know, analogies. And he said, you know, we keep coming back to, there's so many aviation analogies for investing. And I said, you know, that's totally true. He said, you know, these, you know, these fighter planes, right. That F-17s, those, they aren't made for stability, Right. They're made to go, they're made to be high flying, get in, get fast, do damage, get out. Right. Right. And you can, so you can think about it as a small little tweak, a small little, you know, misstep sends that plane tumbling down because it's, you know, it's got enough G force and it's built with that G force to, you could black out if you turn too hard, you bank too hard. Whereas Mm. a big, you know, 777, you know, that's taken off out of PDX, there's a lot of play in there. There's a lot of, room for error in those big stocks. And I hesitate to use error when we're talking about flying, right? But there's a lot of error, room for error rather, in those big, those big clunky, slow moving, you know, companies or stocks or portfolios, yeah. right? And so- We're just full of analogies. Right, we're, we're <laughs> full of lots of analogies, which is pretty great, right? And then- uh, It uh, resonates with people well, you know, when you have- uh, you know, you want to reference things a little bit. Okay, how would you put this into words? So, you know, it's like you're you're flying a Boeing big plane. You're going internationally. You know, there will be some turbulences over time, um, but it shouldn't be quite as bad as if you took, you know, a fighter jet over to Europe first time flying. <laughs> you know, right? So it's the same yeah. with the portfolio. What's the plane you're going to take, or, or yeah. how are you going to maneuver? You know, so yeah. Well, you can think about yeah. it with you know with sports cars. If people aren't playing people, right? Sports cars. You That's know, there's. True. You have a lot of, you know, you turn that wheel just a tiny little bit in a sports car and it's going to, you know, it's going to pull across the road. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, my, my fancy gentleman's Corolla, you know, has a lot of, <laughs> a lot of yeah. more room for error, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah. That's not a lie. I, I drive a Corolla, full disclosure, you know. So the, the idea being. It's efficient. You, you want, <laughs> it's efficient and it's not very exciting, which is how I like my portfolios to be, yeah. right? So the key is, you know, you want to make sure that you know what kind of plane that you're flying, what kind of car that you're driving, and it, it behooves you to have a second look, right? To take that, to take that into a shop, take it to a mechanic, have them tell you exactly what kind of plane that is, right? Because you just don't know until you actually run it through those stress tests, right? And That's so true. the key is making sure that you are comfortable because we have clients, folks. We have clients that are in their 60s, in their 70s that are 100% equities in their yeah. investments yeah, because that's where they choose to be and they want to and be. And they're okay with it. They understand yeah. what could happen. They've been through different micro market cycles, you know, but yeah. maybe maybe you haven't. Maybe you've been, uh, you know, on this uh, bull run and haven't paid attention and, you know, the market other than, you know, in March, we haven't had huge pullbacks before and so we, we even talked about it before, you know, and, and so now go into the future, what what kind of a ride do you want? Especially as you accumulate more assets. Right. So that's the other thing, you know. It's a difference when you, you know, if you lose, um, you know, one, 10% of, uh, of $10,000 versus 10% of, you know, $500,000. So that, uh, you know, adds to the excitement, I guess, of it all. Yeah. Um, bigger numbers, you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes complete sense. No, I totally agree, right? So you got to make sure that you have the right portfolio. If you haven't taken a look, if you haven't gone through that process, and you'd like to, and it's something that we do as a complimentary service to folks who listen to the radio show, give us a call, 503-253-3000. And it's worth explaining that unlike there's a lot of shows, a lot of folks that are on the radio that talk and say, you know, the next 10 callers that have at least, you know, X amount of dollars get these. We do this for all radio listeners, right? We're, yeah. we're looking to help people get the information out there. And if it makes sense to work with our team, we'd love to have you. We'd love to work with you. But worst case scenario is you had a professional take a second look. 
right? You had a second look at what you're doing, had somebody tell you you're doing a good job. And we, you know, we like to talk about not like, we talk all the time about folks that we come across that there are big holes, that there are things they didn't know about. We talk to folks all the time that are doing a great job and that's what we tell them. Yeah. Or people coming over and maybe they have a very simple case and just a couple of tweaks gets the job done. But then even then they may realize, hey, maybe I, I do want somebody to help me guide this ship uh, through retirement and we can help with that too. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of cases we run into, which yeah. makes this so exciting. Right. Well, exciting for us. I don't know if everybody <laughs> else would be as excited about money management and financial We nerd out a little bit yeah. on that. But yeah, I think that's a good place to take a break here. We're going to stop here for just for now, but we'll be back after these messages. But if you'd like to you know, have a question answered, something that's been keeping you up at night, please send that question to askbo at pricefg.com or text review to 484848. We'll be right back with more Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. We do investing simplified. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. If you're just now joining us, thanks for making us a part of your day. As a reminder, if there has been something that you've been worrying about with your finances, with your taxes, with your estate planning, give us a call, 503-253-3000. Let us know about it. You can also shoot me an email at askbo at pricefg.com. That's askbo, my name, B-O, at price, P-R-I-C-E, F as in Frank, G as in Gary, dot you can send those email messages in. I know, Matt, we've had a lot of folks that have been asking about when we're going to be able to take phone calls, take calls you yeah. know, live on air again. And you know, I don't know that we're going to be able to do that in the near future. I'm hoping we can get back to that at some point. There's a lot of different moving pieces with that you know, regarding regulations and then also the fact that you know, downtown is downtown Portland still, right? So right. going down to the studio down there. But I know that I've gotten a lot of feedback from listeners. They really like when we get calls and when we get questions that come in from listeners because oftentimes if it's something that's been worrying you, something that's been keeping you awake thinking about, it's something that's bugging somebody else. So send your question in. Let us you know, know about it. We'd love to answer it for you. Or if we don't know the answer, we will get the folks who do. We'll, we'll throw it to Kevin. We'll throw it to Taylor. We will find that answer for you, right? Absolutely. So make sure you send those questions in because, you know, otherwise we're going to be, you know, talking about what excites us like this segment where we're going to be talking about something that happened a couple of weeks ago, which was that there was a a local man here in, you know, in the Hillsborough area who won the Megabucks, right? Run the jackpot on these jackpot lottery games. And Matt, I get a lot of people that, you know, think it's funny because, you know, just full disclosure, I play the lottery. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just because it's for fun, right? You know, the the deal is when you, you look at lotteries and, and the lottery is kind of a silly thing, you know, it's it, it's really a waste of money if you really think about it because you're not going to win. Statistically speaking, absolutely. Yeah, right, because yeah. you're not going to win. But it's fun to think about 
what you might do. And, you know, I oftentimes, you know, they say on there, this is for entertainment purposes only, not mm-hmm. for investment purposes. And that's real, right? Because yeah. statistically speaking, you have a one in some hundred million chance of winning, right? Which right. is really low. You're, I think I heard a statistic one time and I, it's anecdotal and I'm, I'm not sure. So full mm-hmm. disclosure, if this is real, but probability speaking in probabilities, you are more likely to get struck by lightning on the way to get your ticket and again on the way to cash your ticket then, than you are to win the lottery. <laughs> even though, even with those statistics, you know, people play and like I, I play. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. I mean, I am not, occasionally I'll, I'll buy a ticket, especially as the numbers go up and just mm-hmm. then you've got that, what, two, three days or a week of time before you check it to where you can kind of dream and think about things that could happen. Like, hey, if I, if I want a, a, a lot of money, although, um, you know, even if I want any money, I'd be happy <laughs> just because it's, a, you know, it's a win is a win. So I think this person in Hillsborough won, uh, I think the net amount, wasn't it? Or a little over a million? I you know, I think, yeah, I think the jackpot was three point something million. You know, you end up with after yeah. taxes and everything, a little over a million dollars. That's a lot of money. I don't, oh, I don't care who you yeah. are. That's a lot of money. Yeah. To come into you. I'd be okay with that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he would I mean, be. again, if I want $10, I'd be happy, but <laughs> a million would be. Right. And I think he's, he's split it up with his son or some, some, yeah, something like that. Yeah, or his father, or his one father. of the two, yeah. It was something like that. But it kind of got yeah. us to thinking, you know, right. right? We were thinking about what happens if you were to win the lottery, hypothetically, or not just win the lottery, but come into a large sum of money. Right. You know, all the time, you know, we hear about baby boomers are aging out. Um, you know, folks are passing away with this tra- here. It is called the, you know, the transfer of wealth. There's a large amount of money being passed down generationally. And if you've done your, you know, estate planning, or if your family has done their estate planning with a qualified attorney like mm-hmm. Taylor Dell, right, then they have planned for passing down that generational wealth, right? And it can be a lot of uh, responsibility. It can also be overwhelming, right? We could even look back to just what's happened so far over the last year and a half with all the stimulus payments, right? Yeah. If you're a family of five, you've got and you make you know under the under the, the required you know the yeah. what the threshold is like hundred fifty thousand dollars. You made something like you know something like fourteen fifteen thousand dollars in stimulus over the last year. Mm-hmm. That's ten percent of what you normally make in income. That's a significant That's a amount significant of money. Amount of money, absolutely. Right? So what so. do you what do you do with that money? Do you you know do you just go spend it frivolously? Do you go buy a boat? Uh, do you go uh, <laughs> right? Just go rent a Ferrari and see how long you can rent it for before you run out of money. It's lots, <laughs> lots of options. Yeah, but we do get those questions um, uh, from time to time uh, because. You know, unfortunately, people pass, and so mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. hey, I've gotten X amount of money from family member. What do I do with it? Right. So, right. Right. Um, I think the number one thing I usually tell people is, uh, first of all, you know, when money comes to you and it's inherited, um, it usually means you've lost someone. Um, so, the number one thing I, I tell people is that it usually is not uh, a rush decision that has to happen. Meaning, mm-hmm. if you need a little bit of time to really collect your thoughts and even get yourself over the fact you just lost a loved one, that's okay. You know, if it takes a month or two or three, if the money's sitting in the cash, right. it, it's not going to do much, but at the same time, it's not going to hurt you. And going into a decision too quickly could hurt you, could be a bad decision because you sort of are emotional and then you see something and you go into something that you shouldn't. So I would say number one would be, you know, and same with the lottery winning, which would be, you know, stay calm and really... uh Lay out your options and think about it, but don't jump into anything right away. Yeah. I think that that's good advice, both from the standpoint of, like you said, the emotional aspect. And that's not just losing, you know, a grandparent or a parent. That's also losing a spouse, right? You know, we talk to spouses all the time, widows and widowers all the time when they lose 
you know, this person they've been with for 20, 30, sometimes 50 years, then there's, you know, then now you have more money, you know, fewer expenses. And like you said, the good rule of thumb is to wait two, three, six months. However, there's no, yeah. you know, time frame that you have to wait, but let things settle down. From a lottery perspective, if hypothetically someone were to come to a lot of money from a lottery, it also applies to settlements, right? You know, folks will get big settlements from lawsuits, from, um, accidents from those sort of things. Yeah. And then you, I would call that money, you know, it's almost like found money, right? It's not mm-hmm. earned money. Yeah. A lot of times when people are earning it, they're out working for it. Um, they have, it has more hooks in it. You know, they're l- more tied to it emotionally about keeping it rather than if you've come into some money, people tend to spend it, right? They tend to have, yeah. you know go out and just rent a Ferrari, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which you want to make sure that not only are you waiting, you know, a certain amount of time to make sure that you're calm and that you're thinking through what you're going to do. I'd say number two for me, another big thing in there, you sort of one and one a, right. Yeah. Is make sure you have a team of financial professionals that you trust and you work with, right? Because whether it's, you know, lottery winnings where there are huge tax implications, right? You need to have somebody like Kevin on your team that is there helping you work through the tax implications. Or if it's inheritance, and maybe there's a special need, you know, a, a relative with special needs. Maybe there is, you know, somebody else that you want to take care of. Working with a team like Taylor, with someone like Taylor who helps you figure out what the estate, you know, the yeah. planning side of it needs to be, right, is really important. And then I would say then you move to that sort of investing side, right, that sort of putting it to work. And that's where one would hope that folks would want to work with a team like ours, right, to help you make informed decisions about that money and how to use that money, right, and what to do with it. Because sometimes that might mean giving it to charity. It could be. You know, a lot of folks look at, you know, that sort of found money and they want to give it to charity. We have several clients that have, you know, that came into money and inherited money and they're living off of maybe their Social Security and their pension and their retirement Mm -hmm. monies. But then they inherited this money from their parents and they're, you know, they're looking at it as they're a steward of that money, right? So their folks... Let, or maybe their aunt and uncle, they left that to them to take care of it, right? To make sure that they're not doing the wrong thing with it, right? So that comes back to taking your time, thinking it through, but then also, right, also making sure you're working with a team that's going to help you make those informed decisions. Because our job as advisors is not to tell you what to do with your money. It just really isn't. A lot of people think that it is, right? A lot of people think that I don't want to work with an advisor. They're going to tell me what to do. No, our job is to provide the information, right? Mm-hmm. We'll tell you what we think. I'll tell you what I'd do if it was me, right? I'd tell you what I think you should do. But ultimately, it's your decision. It's your yeah, money, right? Absolutely. And that's the, that's the hardest thing, I think, for people to understand. So if you, you know, I'm going to throw it out there. If you have questions about that, if there are issues like that and you'd like to, you know, talk to somebody about it, if you'd like to be pointed in the right direction of a team to work with, give our office a call, 503-253-3000. Or you can also text REVIEW, R-E-V-I-E-W, to 4848-48 if you'd like to set up a time and, you know, sit down and talk through it, right? Absolutely. What, you know, you worked in the banking industry for a long mm-hmm. time, right? What are some pitfalls that you've seen with people coming into money? You mentioned the Ferrari and we sort of tongue-in-cheek joke about it, but that's that's not too far off. Yeah, no. So I mean, this this as you said, people come to money if they haven't had funds in the past and they haven't had money. You know, to them it's like, hey, 
um, what do I do? I, mm-hmm. I've had all these desires that have mm-hmm. been kind of on the back of my mind. I want to start checking them off and, you know, buying a car, buying a house or whatever. And some of these things are, you know, good things that you could consider. But again, not rushing into would be number one because things happen. Let's say, you know, let's say you got a million dollars all of a sudden and then you go out and buy an $800,000 house. Well, yes, you paid cash for a house. You have an asset. But did you think about how much property taxes will be, what the insurance will be? Does it really fit your budget and your plan moving forward. And I think that would be, you know, another item to really, really think about is, okay, if if you're living your life, um, you know, if you're retired, that's one thing. If you're not retired, you're working. Um, you you want to reevaluate your plan and figure out, okay, where does this fit, right? As you said, maybe I don't need it. It's the extra icing on the cake. And so I should maybe, you know, maybe take a vacation or two extra and then mm-hmm. donate some to charity, maybe give it to grandchildren. Or, if you're still working and you come to this, maybe then you can shave a few years off your retirement, you know, or perhaps, you know, maybe take down your risk. Um, we talk about this all the time. We want to take as much or as little risk as we have to, to hit all your goals in retirement. And so if you all of a sudden have this extra pool of money that gets injected, we can maybe take your risk down. Maybe you don't have to go as fast on, you know, on the highway, you know, maybe you go from the middle lane to the slow lane. It yeah. could be, you know, something you can take, take a look at. And then, um, really going back to the fact that, that you've received it and then just doing a plan, I would say. That would be another thing. And then before you proceed, then you evaluate the different options and then you maybe try, try, try taking a look at what, what options are actually available for that money. Um, so before you uh, write a check and invest it or you know transfer the money, I would say there's multiple steps ahead of time. And I think a red flag for me personally, if I wasn't in this industry, it would be, you know, I come and meet with somebody that, you know, I just met with them and, you know, they're, you know, here's a piece of paper. Here's some information. Oh, let's go ahead and with this. Well, how do you know what I really need? Have you evaluated right. all the different options? So that would be, you know, red flag. So um, I would say, you know, again, slow down. Yeah. Take a deep thing, breath. Right? This way, it's yeah. number one, right? Yeah. Slow down. Take your time. Think it through because there are implications, right? We talked yeah. about coming into, you know, lottery winnings or, um, you know, some sort of a, a windfall like that can have tax implications. Coming into a windfall that you inherit there aren't necessarily tax implications, but there are long-term implications. And if it's an IRA that you're inheriting, right? If it's a retirement plan yes. that you're inheriting, there are tax implications. And there are law changes that have happened in the last year yeah. that severely could affect what you're doing. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because right. we've had I've had conversations, I, you know, even within the last month, numerous times mm-hmm. with people that might have had an inherited retirement account and they just weren't aware of all the... Uh, things that go with it and then they may have to pull money out and what time frame and how much um so if you're out there sitting there right now listening to us and saying hey wait i do have an ira that i inherited and i haven't done anything about it maybe that is something you should consider taking a look at sooner than later because uh depending on your situation um somebody may have to leave that account you know within within five years or ten years or whatever the tax law you know tells you to do so you know i would give us a give us a call or speak with a tax professional right or both right because yeah yeah, we want you we can help coordinate those things right i mean because that's that's the tough part about any of that right when you come into that money and i get calls all the time that say hey i'm going to inherit this money what's my inheritance tax right no inheritance tax right? right but there are implications that come from having the money and you know that brings up a really good point because we do have questions that come in that you know come in for them you know Hey, I have this IRA. Um, you know, I got this IRA. My brother left me. He, you know, sadly passed away. You know, we have clients that come to us all the time that haven't taken their RMDs. Requirement of distributions, absolutely right. Yeah. And luckily for them, you know, in in the cases that we've had, 
we've been able to throw ourselves on the mercy of uh, yes, Uncle Sam of the IRS yes. and say, "Hey, look, I didn't know I was supposed to take these, right? I didn't know that um, these were required." And so, what we you know written a letter and said, "Hey, we didn't know that these were supposed to be taken out. We've taken them out. We'll pay you know we pay the taxes. You know, pay a penalty." And the the significant hefty penalty that comes from it, they actually waived. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know, and you may, they know it because if they're at RMD age. But when you inherit that IRA and you have those required minimum distributions, if you inherited it before twenty twenty, mm-hmm. right, that's fifty percent of the required minimum that you have to take. That's the penalty, yeah. And that that's in addition to having to take the RMD. So if it's your very steep, yeah. RMD was four thousand dollars, hypothetically, you have a tax penalty of two grand. You still have to take the four thousand out, so now you got to take six thousand out. You got to you know you got to pay the penalty. You got to pay the taxes on yeah. it, and you got a tax penalty. It adds up quick, and I think that you know, as you said, IRS has been maybe some some leniency there, but I think part of it is because of the ch- changes that they've gone through. Yeah, right? yeah. And you know, the more time passes, I believe the the, the more strict they'll get again with this stuff. You know, they understand, mm-hmm. hey, this is newer, but you know, you can't say. I didn't know if, you know, the rules have been in place for five years or 10 years, right. you know, because then right, right. they'll be like, wait a minute. Right. What do you mean you didn't know? We've, you know, we've had a lot of okay. stuff out there. But one of the things that helps you yeah. with that is having a team that you work with. Because something that's come up, you know, recently, you know, I've talked to some clients about as, the, you know, we bring on new clients that we're working with other advisors. It's actually not your advisor's responsibility to satisfy your RMD. It's not your CPA's responsibility to satisfy your RMD. It's not even the custodian that handles your money, whether that's TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, any of these places where you have your money. It's not their responsibility to make sure you're satisfying your RMD. It is yours. And that kind of goes back to what you said. It's ultimately your money. Nobody can make you take money out. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the IRS can. The IRS, <laughs> yes, but and because by by penalty, right? right. But, but if you have an IRA or an inherited IRA or a brokerage account, nobody can really make you take money out of that, on, on outside of you know the court or you know yeah. IRS or something. Yeah, yeah. So um, they'll give you information. You know, you'll get emails and whatnots, and there's plenty of information out there. But ultimately, it is on you. Well, because you know we've talked about it before. A lot of people may may or may not know, and it's been a few months. Since I talked, since we talked about it, but your RMD is based off aggregate IRAs. Yeah. So a lot of people have they look at it, they diversify by custodian, right? Mm-hmm. And you, which we can go over that. I don't think that that's necessarily a diversification, but that's just right. my personal opinion. But if you're diversifying by custodian, you've got your IRA at Schwab, and you've got your Vanguard IRA, and you've got your TD Ameritrade IRA. You have to add them all together to satisfy your total RMD. You mm-hmm. only have to take it out of one spot. So logically, it follows that TD is not going to be in charge of making sure you satisfy your whole RMD because they only have a portion of your money. And it gets even stickier if people have money at insurance companies, right, with annuities or with, you know, maybe they have uh, a policy that, you know, is built out with an IRA, right? They're looking at, you know, short-term annuities. They have CDs at the bank that are in IRAs. All these different things. You have to add them all together. Yeah, you do. And so you want to make sure it comes back to, like you said, so you get all this stuff, you're inheriting all this money, everything's coming together, take a breath, right? Take some time, but make sure you're working with a professional team, right? And we like to coordinate with your CPA, with your estate attorney, making sure that we're not doing anything that's going to cause you a headache down the line, but we have to know who those people are and we have to work with them, right? I mean, otherwise, we're just sort of, you know, wafting in the wind as it were. Well, and then one other thing that just prompted you saying this Mm -hmm. is, 
yeah, take your time. But I would also, uh, you know, caution people from just, you know, putting it in the on the back side of the burner and just not addressing things for oh, a really yeah. long time. Because I've seen yeah. that happen, you know. That's a good point. Somebody gets some funds, inherit it, and then they'll leave it in the savings account for, you mm-hmm. know, a couple of years because they're just mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you have too much to think about and too much to decide on. And then you just say, you know what, I, if it's there, if I don't look at it, it's okay. It's out of sight, out of mind. Um, and that, you know, could also happen in retirement accounts or other assets. And I don't think that's the right solution. I think what I tell people all the time when it comes to retirement planning, retirement in general, or things like this, is you eat an elephant one little bite at a time. Yeah. And so... You mean, you, are you, do you, like, eat elephants? No, that a thing but, that you but do in Poland? people I mean, love that's it. Just, that's, that's your phrase. People that's really like the analogy. <laughs> yeah. No, no we don't have uh, elephants we eat in Poland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a... Uh, that would be kind of weird, uh, yeah, but we're yeah. not too close. Well, I guess we're, you know, what would be the closest elephants we can get? You know, now you're getting me distracted from the subject. But my <laughs> point being is you got, you know, an elephant you want to eat. And by elephant, I mean, you know, you just inherited funds. You yeah. lost a loved one. Um, and so there's so many moving components. Maybe there's, mm-hmm. you know, a dozen accounts that person had. Right. Well, it's just a matter of sitting down with a professional team like ours and figuring, okay, here's a game plan and the blueprint we'll come up with. You know, we'll get you from step one to step 10. And we'll get you through the motions of, you know, moving accounts in the right registration, mm-hmm. dealing with the custodians. We'll do mm-hmm. three-way mm-hmm. calls and just kind of handhold you through the process. But at the end of it, you know, the elephant will get eaten one way or another. Just <laughs> right. it might take, you know, that three months, six months, nine months. And we may not even end up having an investment strategy in place that ends up, you know, being implemented for a period of time as we're kind of, as I right. like to also say, as the dust settles. But Eventually, that's what we're we're working towards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by working with someone on something like this, you really do build a, a nice trust and relationship over time mm-hmm, too, which mm-hmm. is which is important. I think that's that's a big piece of it. Is the, the longer you work with a fa- uh, you know with a firm or with with an ad, an advisor, um, you get to understand their process. It, it actually allows them to get to know you better. Um, so then you can you know have the right risk tolerance set up and your right goals outlined, and they really understand what you know, is it going to uh, make your plan work? Yeah. For you. And, you know, it, that's absolutely, that's a great point, right? Is to make sure that everything works together to put those pieces together. And I don't want people to think that you have to have inherited money to work with a team like no. ours. We just, this just came up because, came up. you know, like we said, we saw yeah. the lottery winner happen here. And, and I didn't see any Ferraris driving through Hillsborough. I was driving <laughs> around, yeah, you know, and I don't see any. So I'm, I'm hoping that whoever inherited it um, is, uh, is thinking about all these things. And right. if they happen to hear us, you know, you can give us a call. We'd be happy to <laughs> chat with them. Uh, but if you, even if you haven't won the lottery or haven't. come into some money, but you haven't asked these questions about no. your investments, about your retirement planning, you haven't looked at it, but you'd like to, give us a call, 503-253-3000 or text REVIEW, R-E-V-I-E-W, to 484848. We have offices all over the Portland metro area. We are happy to meet you where it is most convenient for you. And we're happy to meet you over Zoom or mm-hmm. over the phone if that's more convenient to you. A member of our team would be happy to sit down, give you a no-obligation complimentary review of your current situation, tell you what we think, what we do, see if it might be a fit for you. And I think it's a good place to stop, Matt. People you know, probably want to you know, listen to some you know, fine words from you know, commercial uh, sponsors being us doing our things. So <laughs> we're going to take a break here. We'll be back uh, for more Investing Simplified. When planning for income and retirement, there's a lot to consider. Between managing the budget that fits the family, trying to figure out from where to draw your income, or balancing the tax ramifications of withdrawals, moving into retirement can be overwhelming. 
At Price Financial Group, we help clients work to create a sustainable retirement roadmap, addressing these concerns and more, and helping folks feel confident in their future retirement income, right when they need it most. If you'd like a financial plan tailored just for you, please don't hesitate and call our office today at 503-253-3000 or text REVIEW to 484848 to set up your complimentary consultation. Price Financial Group offers investment advisory services through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. We do investing simplified. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. If you're just now joining us, thanks for making us a part of your day. As a reminder, if you miss parts of the show, if you weren't listening live uh, on the radio, then you can, excuse me, get downloads of the show replayed on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, any of those places wherever you get your podcasts. We do post the show there as a podcast and it lives there. I think forever, right? That's where podcasts don't go away as far as I know. And you can also get previous episodes of our show at investingsimplifiedradio.com or by visiting our website at pricefg.com. Absolutely, and uh, we post them. Tell a friend if anybody's uh, wanting to listen to a good show, you know, invite them on. Uh, our website has the po- We try to post the shows right after, uh, as soon as we can, after we go uh, on, so... Um, any additional listeners is always good, so we don't feel like we're just talking to each other. Well, you know, we talk to each other enough, so no yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> So we were talking a little bit, um, you know, about some fun things, but now, you know, I wanted to kind of touch base on again. It gets back to leaning on your experience a little bit in the banking sector and sure. the lending sector. Yeah. But people have really noticed, especially here in Portland, it's becoming kind of a problem. But I know you are, you know, have been kicking around the idea of maybe buying a new house. Um, I think your brother just, you know, just sold his house, right? Yeah. There's a a real, I don't know if it's a problem, but it, you know, it's something that people look at that, you know, the housing, especially here in Portland is kind of out of control. And a lot of people think that a bubble is forming. Yeah. And I don't think it's just uh, isolated to Portland really, because uh, just the other day we were talking to somebody that's got a property in Arizona. And then I heard the same thing about Nevada. So I think all around the housing uh, boom, um, yeah. partially, um, interest rates being low, um, still, even with a, you know, Treasury starting to trend up. The mortgage rates are still relatively low and historically low, because we can you can still get a thirty year mortgage at three and a half percent or less, maybe right. closer to three percent. Um, we did hit sub three percent there for a short period of time. Yeah, it's yeah. come up since then. But what's really uh, driving the prices up is the fact that we don't have a ton of inventory. So inventory is very very low. Uh, if you go on, uh, you know, Zillow, Redfin, one of the apps, you know, I go and I flag some homes I like, and then, you know, it seems like I refresh the screen and they are all pending real quick, you know? And then I'm a curious person, so I go back once they're sold and see, okay, what did it sell for? And pro- homes are selling, you know, 10, 15% above asking price, which is just crazy. Um, but that's what happens, you know? I was talking to somebody about this. It's like, you know, it's a supply and demand. If you don't have enough supply, supply and demand is high, the you're gonna to have to pay a premium to get that to get the homes, you know, um, and so at what point do you look at you know, new construction versus you know call them 
used homes or <laughs> existing homes. And that's been a, uh, you know, we've got new construction happening, not quite as much as we probably uh, would like to. I know that there, you know, in this local area, we've got Reed's Crossing, which is the South Hillsborough project. And um, I actually drove through there the other day with my wife, just kind of scoping out the area. And there's a lot of homes there and there's still a lot of land to build on. Um, and then we drove around Tigard and other areas just to kind of, uh, you know, on, on the nice Sunday afternoon, we just took a drive and there's homes going up. Um, but again, it's not, you know, meeting the demand. Um, and then it goes back to also, you know, again, rates low, low supply. And then you have uh, people that are renting that are trying to, you know, maybe live that American dream and own that primary mm-hmm, residence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you touched on it, I think, beginning of the show about the stimulus checks coming through and stuff. So if you were lucky enough to be employed all of uh, 2020, and so maybe you saved a couple of dollars, but then on top of that, you know, you were in that, you know, family uh, that made, you know, under 150000 and you got a couple of those stimulus checks, combine that with some savings, you might have a down payment. Because a lot of times you can get into a house for, you know, 3 4 5% down, um, and then you can purchase a property. Um, and so it's interesting what's happening. I, I talked to a few realtors and they're seeing, you know, 10, 20 offers on a house, cash offers coming in and sweeping. And so um, I would, you know, if, if you're listening out there and you've been frustrated, I think everybody's frustrated with you, uh, but you just have to stay patient um, and you've got to, you know, you know, try to keep reason to your purchase price too. If you set yourself up with a budget, I would uh, highly encourage you to consider not going crazy above your budget. Now, if you're, you know, Let's say you got pre-approved at the bank for you know four hundred thousand or purchase, you know can you buy something for four fifty if the loan is right. going to affect you day to day maybe, but I wouldn't go further past that because then you're going to be house poor. You know you end up with a house that then you have a mortgage payment that, you know you can make but then you can't live your normal life. Right. And then it doesn't become you know it's not as enjoy you know you're enjoying it as much. So, right. Well, which makes sense, and you know, yeah. I, you made you made some really good points in there, and you know, anecdotal points. We talked about people moving out of the cities, right? Particularly yeah. here in Portland, we've seen it from people moving from the downtown, you know, northwest industrial area out to the suburbs, where you yeah. there's less rentals and more, you know, more uh, homes that are buying. But you know, just to throw some actual like concrete numbers, right? At you know, at what's oh, you causing? Statistics. I got some statistics, right? Yeah, you know, some of these things that are you know, you touched on yeah. all of it, but just concrete numbers that back up what you're saying anecdotally, right? So. If we're looking at costs, like you were mentioning, it seems like homes are super, super, super expensive yeah. compared to what they used to be, right? And you know, if you look uh-huh. at if you look at uh, home prices versus you know replacement costs, which is what the Fed calculates, mm-hmm. you know, homes at. So home prices typically, right, in the last forty years, have been at one point five nine times replacement cost, right? Okay. So about one and a half times is what the price is in replacement cost in two thousand five, right? Before you know, as the bubble was getting going. Right, they peaked at one point nine five times uh, replacement cost, which is about twenty two, you know, point five percent above. So really, they're they're right now they're only selling at one point six three times. So it's not that high above normal, right? Okay. So they're high, but they're not super high above replacement cost, right? So it's not necessarily that the prices are high, right? It's like you said, the vo- the volume, the amount of homes that are for sale, right? And I think part of it is. Yes, people aren't selling, but part of it's that they aren't building. You just mentioned that we're, we've got some building here, but not never necessarily as much building as we would like to see. So right now, we're looking at, you know, we'd expect housing starts. So you, people will hear housing starts, yeah. you know, as a measure of the economy, right? So, in you know, between the last, you know, over the last 20 years, basically, we've only been doing 1.25 million new homes in the country 
a year, right, mm-hmm. over the last 20 years, whereas traditionally it was at least 1.5 and above. Oh, I see. Right? So there's less, a lot less, you know, new new homes, right? So really, we, you talked about new home inventories, right? So the amount of homes that are for sale. So whether that's new or just, you know, versus used. You mentioned the used homes. <laughs> yeah. So single <laughs> use is a bad word, right? But existing home inventories. Lived in. Existing is a better word, right? We only had 870,000 homes in the entire country used homes for sale in February. Existing homes. Wow. 870,000 the whole country. So that's the lowest record. That's the lowest level on record from 82 to 2016 was 1.55 million. So Mm -hmm. up until 2016, the lowest we had at a time was double what it is now, right? Which is just pretty crazy. We've got... Only 40,000 completed new homes for sale in February. Only 40,000 completed new homes. Wow. Versus 77,000 yeah. a year ago and 87,000 on average, right? So that's big, right? That's that, Those are big. There's just not enough. You just mentioned, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah, there are not enough it homes. It totally is. Yeah, no. And so then you've got, you know, five people looking for one home and, yeah. so then, you know, the average work against you. And so prices get... Um, high and so yeah. it's i would say you know if you're out there and you're renting um i would say brace yourself for some patience you know i know uh you know this this always it you're never really in a perfect world where you know you go out and find the first house i mean we've had these situations yeah. like that but typically you've got to you know look around for a while yeah so you know don't get discouraged put in your offers and you do your best but don't you know marry the house you look at so that's what i tell people too it's like you see a house try not to fall in love with it because it may not be the one you end up getting, you know, and you don't want to be foolish and throw too much money at it. You know, people that have a ton of money that are buying up these homes, they, their thinking is, well, it's just going to keep going up and I've got the cash, so I got to do something with it. You know, if you're an investor and you're looking at a mm-hmm. long-term investment, mm-hmm. you know, then it may make sense consider, you know, buying something. But if you're looking for a primary residence and this is somewhere you want to live, you know, over time, the price will catch up, but you don't want to overpay it from the get-go. Again, not because it's you know because you're buying too expensive a house but it's more of can you afford it right at the moment right you don't make yourself you know sacrifice saving for retirement sacrifice saving for college for kids or whatever else that comes up so that's you know word of advice yeah Um, no i think that's good right because you mentioned a lot of people think that you know it's a bubble forming yeah in the housing market right now and i would argue that kind of the statistics we talked about the anecdotally when you're talking about i would argue that that it shows it's not yeah and i think i don't know the exact where i heard this but somebody was saying that the average credit score of a borrower right now is really really high like it's in the higher high six seven hundreds yeah so the borrowers that are getting these loans are high quality borrowers that have high credit scores so uh, you know, that wasn't the case back when we had the last, you know, big financial crisis with home values going down. I'll tell you from an underwriting standpoint, and Matt May talked about this a little bit ago, where, you know, when you're trying to get a loan, you know, the bank will ask for everything, you know, almost including your firstborn to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. underwrite the loan. So they're really, you know, dotting their I's, crossing their T's to make sure you are, um, you know, getting in at the, you know, with the right score, you have employment and everything. And then, you know, um, they have to do an appraisal. So, you know, an appraisers judge values of homes primarily by comparable sales. And so um, all of that to say that, you know, are we high? Yes. And is the market of home is going to go up? Most likely. But, you know, if you're patient, you know, I think uh, as we hit summer months and, you know, people start traveling and things start settling down, we may see hopefully an improvement. So yeah. if you're patient, eventually. <laughs> I think that, you know, I think it would help yeah. to, you know, when you look at some of the moratoriums on evictions and that sort of thing coming up, yeah. I think there may be more, you know, 
um, applicable homes. Not that that's necessarily the best thing, right? But like you said, it's if you're patient, it, now is not the time. It's not 2007, right, where you could just just throw $10 at a home and get to buy it on, on credit, right? But it's also not a time where you have to worry about necessarily buying the house for appreciation. Like you said, if you're if you're buying your home and it's your primary residence, right, or mm-hmm. you're looking to have it over time, it's going to appreciate in value even though it's high because it, it's the situation of we hear the old adage, right? The old adage is always buy low and sell high, right? right? But this, to me seems like it's a buy high, sell higher, considerable situation, right? You know, real estate, a lot of people will come to us, you know, they'll meet with us and say, well, I have all, you know, my investments are all in real estate. Yeah. Right? They don't do the market, which is totally fine, right? That's a, that's a viable strategy yeah. to invest in real estate over time. It's, you know, making sure that you're the right investment. But if you're looking for a primary residence, if you're investing in a home or hypothetically, if you're investing in an investment property, that's the other yeah. issue that I think people are looking into now too, right? Is okay. Well, if I'm looking to buy an investment property, am I buying it at too high of a price? But I, you know, you have experience, you know, with investment properties and, and with folks that mm-hmm. do a lot of that. My view on it is, is I'm not buying that investment property for capital appreciation, right? I'm buying it for rent. I'm buying it for the income that it's going to generate yeah. for me, right? So if I got to pay up a little bit more, that's okay because I'm going to recoup it in 30 years. For over time, you start building out more and more cash flow. You know, talk to somebody that. You know, bought a house not in necessarily in the financial crisis that we had, but let's say four or five years ago, somebody purchased a property. How much did they rent it for? How much are they renting it for now? Rents have gone up. You know, they're they're creating cash flow over time. Eventually, that loan gets paid off, and so that's the whole thing. It's just sticking with it. You know, and uh, and one other thing that's probably causing some of this, you know, uh, demand issue is a lot of people are moving out of their homes and making them rentals and then they, you know, purchase another place, Mm -hmm, which, mm -hmm. you know, nothing wrong with that. I actually, you know, I I tell people sometimes that it's not a terrible idea if you've got the... the money uh, or, you know, and the cash flow personally, if you can make your old primary residence a rental and, and buy, purchase something else, it's, you know, it's a good wealth accumulation, but it could also be causing some of the issues sure. where, hey, I'm not selling my house, I'm renting it, I'm buying another one. Well, then the, that house doesn't come up. On right. Yeah, sort of a so. zero sum game, right? So then exactly. at that point, you're not, you're not throwing, you know, inventory back into it. it but it's probably a good time to be a realtor though. Like it said. is. <laughs> and I've been meaning to bring one of, uh, one of our uh, realtor friends here on, on air and, He's just been so busy, I can't barely even, you know, text message him once in a while to ask him a question. But I, I would definitely want to bring him on so he, we can get more of a, you know, a, an opinion from him. Right. Well, and that's that's the goal, right? Get him on. You know, we'd like to bring those sort of people to you all. If there are questions that you have that, you know, you want to ask a realtor, that you want to ask the CPA, you want to ask the estate attorney that we have on the show, shoot those to askbo at pricefg. Dot com or visit www.pricefg.com and leave your questions there. I, you know, we're running out of time here. This is a good, you know, good conversation. Maybe we'll continue it next week. But I want to make sure that if you have a question about investment property, about your investing in the stock market, about college savings, retirement savings, you know, insurance, annuities, anything to do with a dollar sign in your life, and you'd like us to take a look at it and like us to review it for you. Give us a call, 503-253-3000. We'll sit down with you. We'll tell you what we think. We'll give you the good, the bad, and the ugly about it, and there's never an obligation. So give us a call, 503-253-3000. Thanks so much for listening today, y'all. It's great to be back. We'll be back next week with more Investing Simplified. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. 
To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. We do investing simplified. Hello, this is Kevin Stagey, shareholder with Baker & Colson Certified Public Accountants, serving the Portland and Southwest Washington areas for almost 40 years. We are a full-service accounting and consulting firm, offering our services to a wide range of business and individual clients. One of the largest expenses to a household or a business is its tax burden. While off-the-shelf tax products can help file simple returns, they can't know your plans for the future and not only provide insight and planning to help you get there, but actually help you along the way. There are just some things that can't be replaced by experience. Whether you are just beginning your working career or have a well-established business with many employees, rely on the professionals at Baker & Colson to help in an efficient, accurate, and personalized manner. We're located at 2414 Northeast Division in Gresham and can be reached at our website at bakercolson.com or 503-666-5569. That's bakercolson.com. 503-666-5569. And remember, at Baker & Colson, our service is the product our clients remember most.